Good morning, church. So happy for you to be here with us, especially if you are visiting us. Welcome home. What took you so long to get here? And uh, we wanted to let you know that we are your family, and whether you like it or not, we adopt you when you come here. So today is uh, a start of, or tomorrow, start of a week where a lot of people are going to be focused on this uh, great, great event thousands of years ago, the death of Jesus, and then his burial, and then his resurrection. And and as Seventh-day Adventists, what do we do with that? And uh, I'm just so excited that still in our society, there is a time and date where people's heart is focused on Jesus. And maybe even those who are unbelievers at least get to question and ask, why? Why are you guys talking about Jesus? Why are you guys celebrating Jesus? And it's just an opportunity to share the story and what we believe Jesus has done for us. And so please use this week to take advantage of it. Don't just give a a chocolate bunny to somebody. (laughs) Share something more and uh, hopefully you'll be a blessing to, to someone. We also want to encourage you to invite people to church. You know, there's still some seats in the front that are empty, and I know you guys could squeeze maybe one or two more people in some of your rows, so don't, uh, don't hesitate to invite people here to church. Let's begin with a word of prayer, and we'll get into our message today that is based like it has been for all year on the Bible reading plan that we're reading from Genesis to Revelation. And this week, there was so much good to preach on. Ah, I almost preached on Samson. You know, as a man, I like to preach on Samson. But, but this, this quote was just too powerful not to speak on. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together and worship you. We invite your presence here so that, Lord, through, through the songs through the children's story, to the scripture reading, through the fellowship that we have and through the message, we might feel your presence more closely with us today. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Mother was worried because mother heard crying coming from Mary's room. The crying that is almost indiscernible except for a mother Because it's that crying in the pillow. Have you ever cried loud and bitterly into a pillow that no one can hear you? Well, no one can hear you except those mothers that have those sharp ears for the calls of their children. And so mother climbed up the steps and quietly opened the door of Mary's door. And there she saw her daughter weeping bitterly into her pillow. And she sat down and and gave her a hug and asked her, what's the matter, honey? What's wrong? And the words that that came streaming out of her her mouth between the tears was, I I thought he was the one. I I thought he was the one. What do you mean, honey? Are, Are you talking about Peter, your boyfriend? Yes, yes, she said as she wept more bitterly. What happened? I, I thought things were going good between you two. They were, or, or so I thought. But today, I saw him holding the hand of another girl. And ah, the tears came out. I thought he was the one, but he's not the one. 
It was her first boyfriend. It was her first love. It was her first relationship. And what could a mother say to a daughter under those circumstances? What would you say as a mother or a father to a young girl with a broken heart who had put all her hope, all her expectations on Peter? And Peter had majestically let her down. What would you say? Someone has an answer back there. <laughs> well, you know what mother said? Mother said, honey, there is another one waiting for you. God has a better one for you. Forget about Peter because there is someone special that deserves you in the future. You know what's interesting is that that's what was happening, happening in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's God in the thrones of heaven sitting up there, and all of a sudden he heard a cry. <laughs> Someone crying bitterly. And as he looked down from his throne on heaven, who did he see crying? It was his prophet Samuel. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1, now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for? For Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemites, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Oh, Saul had been special for Samuel. It was his first anointing as a king. He thought surely this would be the first and the last he'd have to do because Saul and his children's children's children would reign forever until the Messiah. He had put such hope and expectation on this man. But oh, he had been so bitterly and utterly disappointed in his actions. And God is coming to this crying man saying, wipe your tears. Get your face off the pillow because I have found another man, a better man. And go because I desire you to anoint him. So the Bible tells us in verses 2 and 3 of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, that Samuel said to him, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Next verse says, and he said peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and he and his sons, and invited them to a sacrifice. Saul had gotten so bad, the Bible tells us that he had an unclean or evil spirit in him. So things had gotten so bad that Samuel didn't even trust the actions of Saul. He thought he might kill him if he found out what he was up to. So the Lord said, don't worry. Go and offer a sacrifice, and that will give you an excuse for going to the town where Jesse lives, and... There, while you're having the sacrificial dinner, that's when I will tell you who the next king will be. So the story continues in verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the 
town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And that's when he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now, Samuel had anointed Saul. And now the other man comes. And I could imagine that maybe that story I told in the beginning is something that you've been through. How many people had had broken hearts before? Anybody had a broken heart by someone else? All right. You guys know that experience of having your hope and expectation in a relationship with a person and being utterly disappointed. But you know what the worst part about it is? That when you find someone else or you're ready to move on, your mind naturally starts comparing them to the last person. Have you fallen in that pit before? Where you start comparing, even though that person did you wrong, where it definitely didn't work out, the next person is always being compared to the, to the last person. What do you drive? What's his car? What's his education? How much money does he make? Will my parents approve? Will my friends approve? And so when Samuel went to find the next king of Israel, he was looking for someone that was comparable to, to Saul. Because when you move on after a bad situation, you don't want to downgrade, right? You want to put on your Instagram photos and show the old one, the old guy or old girl that you have upgraded. And so he's looking for someone who's comparable to Saul. And so the Bible tells us in verse 6, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. The Bible says that he what? He didn't talk to. He didn't ask the Lord any questions. He just did what? He, he looked. It was like love at first sight, right? Now, the reason the Bible says that he looked at him and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed, is because he was used to the Lord's anointed, the king, being someone who was good looking. Because the Bible tells us about Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2 about Saul. It says, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Did you get that? Saul was the tallest and best-looking person in all of Israel. Wow. It's kind of hard to upgrade from that, right? So Saul's thinking anything that's close to that, that must be the Lord's anointed. And so the Bible tells us that he looks at the eldest son of Jesse, and he takes one look at him and says, well, you know, he's comparable. This must be it. Because the Lord's not going to downgrade when it comes to the next king. And he says, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Ooh, don't fall in that trap. Don't fall in that trap. Don't fall in that trap. 
You know, I tell my daughter every day she's beautiful, but I tell her you're beautiful on the inside and on the, on the outside. And when Samuel saw this oldest son of Jesse, he was already getting his flask of oil. He was standing up. He's like, we got it. This is a done deal. The next one is here. But the Lord had to intervene and say one of the most powerful truth statements that you could find in Scripture, which is our memory verse for today. And we find it, and we find it in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, at the heart. Oh, young people who are single, I wish you would just take this advice. Just that advice would make it good for you. And this one is actually close to my heart, because I wouldn't be here today if someone, specifically my mother, didn't take this advice. You see, my mother is uh, someone who has always uh, been admired, saying she's good-looking, young-looking. I remember as a teenager, I'd walk in the mall, and we'd run into people, and people would think that I was her boyfriend or I was her husband. I always get so mad because she was young-looking, and she was good-looking, and she still is, even at this age. My father is an assault. Let's just put it that way. My father's not a Saul. And uh, my mother used to tell me the story. She said, when I was younger, I used to, you know, date very handsome men, men who were driving sports cars, men who were owning big companies. And, and one day I asked her, mother, you know, you always, you know, tell me about this. Why didn't you marry one of those men, you know? Why didn't you marry one of those rich men, those good-looking men, the ones with the sports car?" And she told me, when I was young, I was in a very difficult situation at home. My, my father, she said, was an alcoholic. And he was mistreating the family, and he was just causing a lot of pain, a lot of pain in the family. And she said, I would go on dates with these guys, and I would see a little bit of my father in them. Because they were also drinking. They also wanted to have a fun time. And, and even though from the outward appearance, they were a good catch, she said, I, I just felt something telling me, don't make the same mistake. Don't go in the same situation that you're now suffering from. And, and there came my father. And my father, at first, had no chance. When they met, my mother was like, okay, we could be friends, but don't ever get any ideas. And so my, my father was put in the friend zone. Have you, you guys know about the friend zone? And he was the one picking her up, taking her to school because she had to ride the bus back then. He was the one taking all the family's laundry and taking them to the laundromat. He was the one, you know, bringing extra food. I mean, he was the perfect friend for the friend zone. But you know what he started to do with my mother? He started to pray with my mother. Whenever there was drama at the house and the father came home uh, drunk, he would drive over and they would sit in the car 
and he would pray for her and her family, and he would read the spirit of prophecy to her. He would just read the Bible and the spirit of prophecy to her. She said, I never felt more peace in my chaotic life than when I was with your father. And then I began to understand that God gave her a gift. God gave her the vision of having what the Lord sees. Not only the outward appearance, but the, the hearts. And when she decided to marry my father, everybody in the family was against it. But she made the right choice. And that's why I'm here today. She made the right choice. And because God does not look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the, at the hearts. And we struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with that. We have an imperfect standard of what a person's worth is based on what they look like. How do I know that? Because I've seen it in action. How many of you work in the hospital before? How many of you work in the hospital before? Some of you nurses, some of you physicians here. I remember at Loma Linda University when I was a student there, they didn't have a uniform policy before. And people would walk into patient's room and the patients didn't know if that was the, the person who was gonna take out their trash or if that was their surgeon. Because they didn't have any uniform policy. People just came dressed in whatever they want, any scrubs. And so every time someone would walk in, whether it was the doctor, whether it was a nurse, whether it was the, the vocational nurse, whether it was a person taking out the trash, whether it was a radiologist, the, the patients would perk up and say, hi, hi. They all thought it was a doctor every time, right? Hi. Uh, uh. And, and they would sit there expecting, and the person would say, how are you doing? And they say, well, and they give them all the symptoms and all the things as if it was the doctor there. Now, the uniform policy came, and I saw a change of behavior. You know, the nurses got the blue uniforms, and the doctors got this color, and the people who do radiology do this color, the people who clean, and all of a sudden, they gave every patient a color-coded so they knew what each person does and was in the hospital, and I saw the change. When I used to walk in as an RN now, I wasn't treated the same anymore. It was just a look of, oh, hey, uh, can you give me more ice? When, when the other people would walk in, they were not the physicians, they wouldn't even say hi or lift up their heads anymore because now they knew who was who. And they were treating people different based on their outward appearance. And don't tell me you haven't done it either. Because you have. Because you have. Because we live in a society has been told to judge people by their outward appearance. And that's why Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. Because we are not competent judges. Because we only look on the outside, but God can look at the inside. The Bible tells us that God has the ability to check the heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 28 and verse 9 tells us this truth. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. 
So the Lord searches all hearts and understands the tents of the thoughts. Psalms chapter 44 and verse 21 tells us, Would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the hearts. And Luke chapter 16 and verse 15 tells us, And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of, of God. I'm glad that God knows our hearts and judges us based on our hearts because other people can't see that. Have you ever been misjudged before? Has anybody, everybody, somebody cast judgment based on your skin color, based on your accent, based on how many degrees you have based on what you drive has that happened to you before God says not me I'm different the way I look at you I look at the core of you I look at the real you I look at the important you I look at your thoughts I look at your intents I check where your heart is and he knows if you're sick and he knows if you are healthy you know, people die of heart attacks every day. And many times I've heard people say, he was just fishing with me, or I just saw him last weekend, or we just went on a vacation, and, and he was doing, or she was doing just fine. There was nothing wrong with them. But the problem was that those people could only see on the outside. What they didn't know was on the inside, the heart was rotten, and it was disease. And it was messed up. But we can't see that deep. And I'm glad that God judges us not only on the outside and sometimes not only on the actions, but on the intent of our actions. There was a, a father who loved to take care of his cars. Any of you car enthusiasts that spend the Sundays polishing your cars with wax? I try to do that once. That's a waste of time. <laughs> I go $5, I could get the spray on, and what do you just drive through, and I'm done. But there's some men who spend hours just washing, and, and they wash their cars, and they make sure there's no, like, there's no residue, there's no you know, soap residue left, and then they'll spend hours doing that. This father had spent hours Sunday in his car, black car, beautiful car, and he was just waxing it. He left that thing beautiful. He left it real nice. And he left all his stuff right there at the door of the garage. And he went to the backyard to get eliminated and relaxed, knowing and satisfied that he had done some great work on his car. A couple of uh, uh, hours later, he sees his son coming up to him with a big, big smile. And the son is telling him, Papa, I have some great news. I have some great news. Little five-year-old boy. I washed your car today. <laughs> and he followed his son. His son had found all the equipment. He had poured that soap. He had tried to pour that water. He tried to rub in the wax, and his car was a mess. But could that father get mad with that son? No, because even though his actions were messed up, his heart was in the right place. And I know that sometimes we mess up or sometimes you try to do your best and you just fall short. But God looks not on the outside. He looks at your heart 
and he knows that you meant well and that you meant good. And though others might judge you, God does not judge you the same because you are his son and he knows your hearts well. And our duty and our task is to make sure that our hearts are right with God. Psalm chapter 51 verse 10 tells us, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is a real prayer. This is a real Christian prayer. Sometimes our prayers are not as deep as this. Sometimes they're only outward prayers. It says, Lord, please let me get that job promotion. Lord, please don't let me lose my hair. Lord, please increase my income. Lord, please, I've been praying for that car, or I've been praying to get accepted into that university. Lord, provide these outside things. But the deepest and greatest prayer that you could give God is say, create in me a, a clean heart. That which you can see, that which is most important to you. Psalms chapter 139 and verse 23 tells us that great psalms of prayer as well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The Lord wants to lead your heart towards him. And when the Lord reads your heart, he reads the real you. And the danger, and the danger of looking at outward appearances is that not only do you judge others by their outward appearance, but sometimes you get fooled into judging yourself by your outward appearances. And this is the title of the sermon today, which is, How Do You See Yourself? Have you been fooled into the way that the world looks at you based on outward appearances? based on what other people consider to be the good and the bad, God is asking you today to look at yourself as he looks at you, to look at your core, to look at your intents, to look at your heart, to look at your thoughts, and line them up with his will for your hearts. Because if your heart is right, then God can lift you up higher and higher in a relationship with him. And that reminds me, of that story of the eagle that thought it was a chicken. Have you heard that before? The, Bible, the story goes that while walking through the forest one day, a man found a young eagle who had fallen out of his nest. He took it home and he put it in his barnyard where he soon learned to eat and behave like the chickens he had. One day, a naturalist passed by the farm and asked, why it was that this king of all birds should be confined to live in the barnyard with the chickens? The farmer replied that since he had given it chicken feed and trained it to be a chicken, it had never learned to fly. And since it now behaved as chickens, it was no longer an eagle. Still, the naturalist said, it has the heart of an eagle. What do you say? It has the heart of an eagle. And surely it can be taught to fly. He lifted the eagle toward the sky and said, You belong to the sky and not to the earth. Stretch forth your wings and fly. The eagle, however, was confused. 
He was confused. He did not know who he was. And seeing the chickens eating their food, he jumped down from the arms of that naturalist down to be with them again. But the naturalist didn't give up. He took that bird to the roof of the house and he urged him saying, you're an eagle, stretch forth your wings and fly. But the eagle was afraid of his unknown self and the world and he jumped down once more for the chicken food. Finally, the naturalist took the eagle out of the barnyard to the high mountain. There he held the king of birds high above him and encouraged him saying, you are an eagle. You belong to the sky. Stretch forth your wings and fly. And the eagle looked around, back towards the barnyard and up to the sky. Then the naturalist lifted him straight towards the sun. And it happened that the eagle began to tremble. Slowly, he stretched his wings. And with a triumphant cry, soared away into the heavens. And it may be that the eagle still remembers the chickens with nostalgia it may be that he occasionally revisits the barnyard, but as, for, but as far as anyone knows, he has never returned to lead the life of a chicken. And today I have here to tell you that you have the heart of an eagle. You are not a chicken. You are not part of this world. Even though the enemy has set it up so you live in this barnyard, even though the enemy has given you chicken food, even though the enemy has convinced you that you are not God's child, but you are part of this world, the naturalist of naturalists, the creator comes to you and says, you were not created for this purpose. I see your hearts. You have given your heart to me. I have created a new heart in you. You are an eagle. Soar higher and higher. And we are resistant because we see ourselves as the world sees us. But God says, I see your heart fly higher and higher and higher. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 says this, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my what? People. Your heart determines who you belong to. Your heart determines your identity. Are you his? Are you the world's? Are you a chicken? Are you an eagle? Let me tell you, this world is suffering. Young people are suffering because of judgments on outward appearances. There are children who are cutting themselves up scarring themselves up. There are girls who are throwing up every meal that they eat. There are girls that are having arguments with their parents at the stores wanting to buy the little miniskirt or the tight cleavage shirt because they feel that that's the only way they will be of value to their peers. There's people struggling with school day and night, day and night studying, not even time for the Sabbath, not even time for prayer, not even time for Bible study, because they feel that if they don't have a degree or they don't have that job, then they are of no value in this world. And God says, wake up, chicken. You are not a chicken. You are an eagle. Your heart is a heart that has me inside of it. Don't worry what they say. 
Don't worry what the world tells you. What I see is the true you. And so my invitation for you this morning is very simple. It's very simple. I want you to have a higher and better view of yourself. I want you to see yourself as God sees you. You are valuable. You are special. You might not be the tallest. You might not be the most handsome or prettiest. But when he sees a heart that has been given over to him, you become the most precious thing on earth to him. So turn to your left and to your right and tell that person next to you that your heart has made you beautiful. Your heart has made you beautiful. And my appeal to you is give your heart to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you look at our hearts. Because we know that sometimes people have not understood us. They have not looked beyond the superficial. And sometimes we feel out of place in this world. Sometimes we feel like we don't belong. We have low self-esteem. Because we judge ourselves based on what others see. But Lord, let us have your vision. Let us look at the important things of life. And that is our heart. We want to be right with you. We want to be a heart that is willing to be submitted to you. And that is the beauty that you are seeking within us. Help us, Lord, as we go out into this world, not to be chickens and stuck with the food of chickens, but have a heart of an eagle, a heart of a Christian, a heart of a believer, a heart of a Jesus follower, a heart of a son of a king. And let us soar in our spiritual experience. This I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Friends, let us stand as we sing our closing song to our Lord Jesus Christ and praise him in song.